yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. Hey everybody, it's Eddie Trunk and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New episodes every Thursday, anywhere you get your podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you do not miss one. And uh, thank you for checking it out. Wherever you are in the world listening, it is greatly appreciated. As I have to remind you every week, this podcast and the interview you hear in it, every interview you hear in it, originated live on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation, and heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, on Sirius XM channel 103 Faction Talk. Be sure to come on board with us and listen every day on Sirius XM. You can also access anything you want, audio, video, shows, and interviews on demand on the SiriusXM app. If you are in the U.S. or Canada and you only listen to this podcast, you are only getting a tiny, tiny fraction of what I do on a daily basis on the radio. So I hope you come on board and subscribe and join us. Be sure to follow on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook page. Today we have for you an interview that I did about three weeks ago, roughly, with Slash, who is still on tour on the never-ending Guns N' Roses Not In This Lifetime tour. I don't even know if they're still calling it that or not, but it seems like it is going on for lifetimes. Uh, they are all over the world still playing. Slash had a day off in Mexico and called into my show to talk about a new book that is coming out on his guitars, which I believe is probably out already. In addition to that, we talked about the conspirators. We talked about the potential for new GNR music and a bunch of other cool stuff as well. Always great to talk with Slash. I've been uh, friends with this guy for a very long time, and he is a fantastic guy and obviously one of the all-time guitar icons. So it was great to visit with him while on tour with GNR, talking about uh, a little GNR and also some other projects that he's working on. We also touched on the Guns box set for Use Your Illusion 2 that just came out. And a lot about his guitars, the book, the Capital One commercial that's running right now. You'll get all of it with Slash right now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Joining us now live on the phone is Slash. How are you, brother? Hey, man. I'm good. How are you? Good. It's been a bit. You're in Mexico, right? I'm in Guadalajara right now. Yeah. How's it going, man? I mean, I'm I'm following you guys. It's it's cra- it's I'm I can't even imagine what it's like in Mexico for Guns N' Roses shows because I know that is a crazy rock audience. Yeah, I know. They were we did a show last night here and it was it was killer and then we had one in Merida a couple nights before that. And then we just did a whole, you know, South American run which was great. We've got two more shows in Mexico. I'm looking forward to one in Mexico City. And then the next one in Monterey, which all are really fucking intense <laughs> rock and roll 
uh, audiences. So yeah, it's been it's been a blast. You know, I'm curious, man. I'm going to talk. I want to talk about this book with you, of course. But I'm curious. I was talking to the audience about this before you called in. I mean, this this whole guns juggernaut for the last six, seven years, it's amazing when you think about it. And when you really think about it, it's on the back of three records that are all over 30 years old. But it just doesn't stop. The audiences are incredible. The shows are incredible. The band is playing great. Axel's been great. I mean, everything's been amazing for you. What's been the highlight so far? Can you give me like one or two moments or shows since you've been back in the band that are personal highlights for you that jump out? Um, well, I mean, definitely the first show at the Troubadour because that was us coming full circle and especially coming back together after 20 years. That was, you know, a really memorable and poignant uh, gig for me. And then, um, you know, I mean, there's been so many shows. <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to, you know, I think the first gig that we did at River Plate after we got back together in Argentina, you know, um, that was that was really memorable. Um, uh, and I'm trying to think, you know, when we headlined uh, Donington a couple of few years ago, you know, I mean, there's been a bunch of really I, I feel I feel bad for even singling out a couple because it's really been an, a really epic run with a lot of really great shows that that are all worth listing, you know. What have you personally been enjoying playing the most on stage? Like what songs are there a few songs in the set that every night are still stuff you love digging into? Cause you know, prior to rejoining the band, I mean, you did some guns with the conspirators, but not to this level. So what, what's as far as material wise, what do you like most digging into on stage every night right now? Um, you know, it, it changes every night. It, there's no, there's not one particular song that I'm like going, Oh, I look forward to this every night. It's it's like you know you playing you playing, uh, you know the songs are tight, but there's there's a certain element of looseness to them. There's a certain element of improv in places which people might not even notice, but it's just stuff that you do to keep yourself keep things you know like you keep things interesting by just trying different ways of playing things, this that and the other. And every night's different, and so you'll go into a. a a show and doing better really comes around that particular evening or doing rocket clean on a particular evening really has a moment. So it's hard, it's hard to pin down any one song, you know, I mean, even there, there could be a night where sweet child of mine is like, especially riveting that, that night for me personally. So it changes. I remember back in the eighties, like in 19, I think it was like 1981 or something, seeing the stones uh, in Los Angeles at the Coliseum and they did their set and they played uh, a particularly resounding version of can't always get what you want that day. Do you know what I mean? It was it's mm-hmm. like, it changes from show to show. You could have a certain song really speak to you on any given, you know what I mean? On any given night. So there isn't one particular track that I might look forward to every single night. It's interesting, though, that you mentioned Better a second ago because that's one of the Chinese democracy songs you guys have been doing pretty much every night that a lot of people were surprised because obviously it was without you and Duff. But you like digging into those songs from Chinese, huh? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, the thing about Chinese is it's a great record and there's great songs on it. And because I'm, you know, obviously been so in such a uh, tight relationship with Axel for so long, I understand, you know, exactly what these songs mean and where they're coming from. So 
when Duff and I got went into to rehearsals and we started digging into some of those songs to see which ones we're going to do and so on and so forth. Um, we sort of made those songs our own. And, and so I enjoy playing them because you play them with our own sort of personal touch to them. Yeah, no, you've definitely well, brought better life work. to those. <laughs> <laughs> no, you definitely brought new life to them, I think, which is very, very cool. So uh, that that's awesome. And are you still doing, because I haven't seen you guys play in a while, are you still doing a Slither as well, Velvet Revolver? Yeah, we've been, we've been doing it consistently. for the, It's become a, a mainstay in the set. Whose idea was that to do? That was Axel's idea, funnily enough. I was actually shocked when he came to me at, at rehearsal and, and said, hey, what about doing Slither? And I was like, huh. <laughs> you know, Duff and I both looked at each other. Uh, that's cool. I think it's great that you're doing it. So listen, I know you've got this book that you're calling in to talk about, and it's uh, in conjunction with Gibson, which I, I think you're like a, a global ambassador or whatever your title is with them right now. But you've got I, I had a chance to look through it. And I was telling the audience before, I mean, I'm not a guitar player. I don't really I know what guitars look cool. But as far as like their history and their value and all that, it's not something that I can really pick out. But tell me about this book because it's um it's called the collection and it's you and your guitars and it's amazing photography and it starts super early from your earliest years right through all your 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 different stuff that you have. Whose idea was this to to do this book? Did it come from Gibson? Yeah, the idea came from Gibson and um not, I mean, actually, it was not very long ago. They called me up and said, hey, you know, we'd love to do this coffee table book with all your guitars in it. And I was really keen to do it once they brought it up because, you know, I'm a pretty avid guitar enthusiast. And I've been, you know, picking up guitars consistently for years. And they're all, you know, they're that, I have a bunch on the road. I have a bunch in the studio. I have a bunch here, a bunch there. But they're, you can only play one at a time. So they're usually just sitting in a vault somewhere, you know, waiting for the next session or this or that. So, we, you know, bringing up doing a book, you can pull them all out. And it was just sort of a, an indulgence for me. But, uh, you know, they did a really great job cataloging everything. Um, Ross Halfin shot the, the photos, you know, and they're really pretty. So for for a guitar junkie like myself, it's like it's like – you know, fucking fresh issue of Ten House. <laughs> you know, it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, well, for a fan, any Slash fan or any fan of just guitars in general, it's really cool. You know, I was saying earlier, it reminded me in some ways, I don't know if you ever saw the book that Getty Lee did on bass. Did you ever see that? No. Uh... Getty Lee from Rush did this super huge coffee table book about his bass collection and then other bass players and their collections and what have you. But this is similar, but obviously all about you and your guitars. When you tour, like you're on the road now, Slash, with guns, and you're going all over the world. I know from here you're going to New Zealand, Australia, Japan. I mean, you're, you're literally moving around the globe with your instruments. How many, like how many guitars do you have right now on the road with you at your disposal on tour with GNR. Well, okay, so I have I have uh, the way GNR works when we're doing like a world tour like this. We have two separate rigs, so one rig goes 
say in this territory, like, you know, like we're in Mexico now, so we have a rig that's here. After this, we go to Asia. There's a rig already over there to save in costs and travel time and this and that. So out on the road with me as we speak, I've got about one, two, three, four, four. I've got about 12 guitars in this rig and I've got about 12 guitars in the other rig. So that's 24 guitars out right now. And do are they duplicates? Like, is the other rig duplicate of what you have now, or do you just you, you they're different? Uh, they're different. When um, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously, I have less Pauls in each rig, um, but uh, I don't. They're not. They're not what you call duplicate guitars. No. So yeah. so a lot goes into choosing guitars for each rig to make sure that. You know, I, you use a lot of different guitars for different kinds of tunings, different kinds of sounds, and so on. So you have to be able to find similar type guitars to fit into the other rig so it doesn't change too much. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's what I was asking, because if they're not duplicate, they've got to be similar. I would imagine the same tuning, similar, similar tones, yeah. because you use the you, you use specific guitars for certain songs, obviously. Right. Well, I, I have two AFDs, so I've got one in each... AFD being the Appetite for Destruction Gibson uh, Slash model that came out some years ago. I've got one of those in each rig. So they're sort of what you consider duplicates. Then I have a standard, main standard Les Paul that are both the same year, one in this rig, one in the other rig. And I've only got one Beast Rich Mockingbird, right? So it has a tremolo bar on it, so I have another type of Beast Rich which is a Warlock in the other rig that has a, a same terminal bar on it, and they sound very similar. So, and I've got I've got two double neck, twelve seventy five double necks, Gibson double necks on in each rig. Um, so I try to keep them as close as possible. Is that BC Rich the one you play? And you could be mine. Is that the BC Rich? Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've only got one of those. I've never been able to find another Mockingbird. Uh, that sounds similar to that one with a tremolo in it. So um, the closest thing that I, they've given me that really works for that is uh, this Warlock, which is cool because I used to have one of those back when Guns N' Roses first got together, actually. So um, so I use that instead. So as I'm looking through this book, and I don't have the actual book. I've just got um, a PDF of it, so I'm looking at it on the computer. But as I'm looking <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, we're we're going to tell people how they can get it here in a second. But as I'm looking through it, there's a section where it shows the early years and it shows you sitting like on a sofa with some guitars around you. What what was your first slash? What was the earliest guitars you have? And do you still have them? Um. Well, the first okay, the the first couple of guitars that I ever started out with, I don't have anymore, unfortunately. Um, one of them was, a uh, uh, one string. Well, it, I ended up learning how to put the other five strings on it. So, um, but it was a Spanish style acoustic guitar that I kicked around with for the first, you know, first few years I started playing. But, um, I also, after I'd been playing for probably, I don't know, maybe a year and a half or two years, uh, the first electric, good electric guitar that I got was a uh, BC Rich Mockingbird. And I don't know where that ended up at. So, no, I don't have that still. But there is an Epiphone acoustic guitar that was given to me when I was uh, in high school, I think. 
Um, and it's a really nice old 1930s Epiphone. And I still have that. And I think that's actually in the book. Yeah. And I'm also um, looking at, I'm, I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a really early picture of you in the book right now of you playing a BC rich. It says it's a warlock. It's like maroon. That's yeah. That's the one I have. I have one just like that. Uh, now that, that I got, I actually have two, but one of them, one of them actually is, is, uh, sort of this black and dark, deep orange, um, leopard print, uh, from stranger things that Beast of Rich made for me. <laughs> and it sounds great. And then the other one's a maroon one, like the one in that picture. So where do you, so, so what is the total amount of guitars that you have? How many total do you have? Um, well, roughly, roughly about 400. Um, Around. but I think there's probably about, there's probably about 200 total in the book. And right. those are really sort of like all the, the guitars that I've bought over the years. The other ones that I have are replicas of guitars that I've made with Gibson. So like we'll do, um, prototypes and whatnot. And I keep all that stuff. So that's, where a lot of that number comes from. So say I do uh, a slash model for the four record, which came out a couple of years ago, right? Um, I probably have about five of those at this point. And then, so it's like that for all the different models I've done with them over the years, plus other stuff, you know, little things here and there. The thing is, is when I get guitars, I never get rid of them. Or at least I don't now. I used to back in the day when my priorities were a little skewed and I've had to hawk stuff, but um, <laughs> that hasn't happened in a while now. Yeah, I think you're good on that. What's the what's the most rare guitar that you have in your collection? And I imagine by extension that would be the most valuable as far as uh, either the most valuable um, and or most rare that you have. Well, okay, see, that's a, that's a tricky question. Um, I mean, I think the most rare guitar that I have is – the slash model Les Paul with the snake pit logo embossed in the body and the Cobra inlay on the neck, because there was just very few of those made and they're pretty valuable. Um, but they're not, it's not as valuable as say a uh, mint condition, 1959 Les Paul, which I do have a few of those. Um, and those, those aren't what you call rare, but there's limited amount of them. So, um, those seem to be the guitars that have the highest pedigree, <laughs> you know, in my collection or the 59s. Um, but then I have, you know, some other, other guitars that are, you know, pretty unique, um, really cool years for say a Fender six string, uh, Fender six string, uh, bass or things like that. There's a couple of different, you know, different guitars that are rare, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're valuable. Yeah, is the fifty nine is the fifty nine the guitar that everybody talked about that Peter Green had that I think Kirk Hammett bought from Gary Moore? Is 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 that one of those? That's that's that yeah. Yeah, that's one of those. Um those So there's not many of those. Really, um they're really coveted and yeah, there was only I mean, when Gibson produced them, there was only like five hundred and change made. And, um, somehow, I mean, you could, cause the, the funny thing about the, the 59 is you can get a 58 and a, 
1960, and they're relatively the same guitar, maybe a little bit different in the 58 knack or whatever. It's relatively the same guitar, but 59 was was just that magic year for collectors where the value of that particular year for that guitar is uh, just skyrocketed. And it's been like that for a while. So that's just the way it is. I mean, a good example is recently I picked up a 1960 mint condition uh, Les Paul in France, and I paid half of what a 59 uh, Les Paul was going for that was actually in just as good a condition, just as good a condition, um, at, and, and twice as much money, and I ended up not buying it just because it didn't make any sense. And I mean, this might be impossible to say, but do you have a personal favorite in your collection that maybe even is pictured in this book or not pictured in this book as far as your, your favorite to yeah. play or one that means the most to you? Well, all the guitars that I really love and use are, are in that book. Um, at least, at least up until when the book was done, because I picked up a couple. Of this stuff. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I you know the thing is, is you can collect guitars, but I'm also um, of the belief that you only ever really need one good guitar, really. You know, when it comes down to it. Um, and so the one guitar that I really always have have gone to, and I always take to any session that I do for one of the bands that I'm in, you know, like Guns N' Roses or Velvet Revolver or Conspirators or Snake Pit, whatever, is the 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 Gibson replica I bought back in 1987 um, that was made by Chris Derrick, which is what we call the original AFD guitar. And Gibson made a copy of a copy when they put out the Slash model because it was just a one handmade uh, handmade 59 replica. But that that has always been my personal. Like that's really my guitar, you know. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And as I'm scrolling through the the images in the book right now, there's also a photo of a guitar case that says uh, as a sticker on it that says used hypodermic equipment with blood coming blood on it. I'm imagining that's a stage shot, or did you actually have a guitar case that says that? Um, I don't even remember. That must have been a must have been a sticker that just went on one of the cases. I don't I don't recall. I would imagine it's to keep people out of the case because it says caution: used hyper <laughs> hypodermic equipment yeah, you, do you, not open. Which could have in the, in the eighties yeah. could have actually been real, but I'm sure now it's just you know a relic. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think it was tongue in cheek at any given point. <laughs> uh the book is it's real i'm telling you not not even being a player myself i really enjoyed the book and we want to tell people that you can order it so the deal is you've got to pre-order it it's not going to be through traditional channels you don't go to the bookstore and get this what you want to do is go to gibson.com slash slash book and my understanding is there's different configurations of the book are there different versions of it or different uh different um printings i know it's very there's limited there's different different packages there's different packages that the book comes in um i can't remember the details but you can just get the book by itself or there's a book that comes with a bunch of other stuff or something like that all right so if, if people have ordered already they're going to start shipping next month in november but if you'd like to order and this is limited and you want to look at the different packages and versions of the book again the website is gibson.com 
slash slash book obviously the backslash slash book at the end and that'll take you right to the uh, web page to order and learn more and see images from the book it's it's really amazing couple other things i want to hit you with man and i'll let you go i so you know you're all over the tv right now as you probably know in this capital one commercial <laughs> playing sweet child of mine tell me about doing that um i haven't i've yet to see that commercial on tv i saw the finished edit and that was it um, I, well, I got a, they, they hit me up and asked me if I want to do this commercial. And I normally, you know, that kind of stuff, I'm sort of like, yeah, nah, but I like the capital one commercial. So I said, let me see the treatment just to see what it is. And it was sort of cool. You know, I was like, oh, this is, I like this, you know? So, so we just, we, it, we went to downtown LA and shot this thing and it was a, it was a gas to do it. The other kids who are, are in the band that I'm joining and some of the other guitar players that are auditioning for the part, were fucking hilarious, and you don't—they actually didn't put them enough of them in the in the commercial because they were really really funny. But anyway, so we we had a good time, and and uh, and I, I liked the premise of it, you know. And they actually had me play the whole song live in that fucking room, and then they took the bits out that they needed. And and does it amaze? Like it's got to amaze you what Sweet Child of Mine has become. I would say it's probably even eclipsed Welcome to the Jungle as the biggest Guns N' Roses song. And of course, the guitar open, you know, the lick is is the it, just one of the most iconic things ever. I was watching this. I don't know if you know about this, but there's a show on Showtime right now. It's about a. It's called Let the Right One In, and it's about a guy whose little whose young daughter is a vampire. It's actually a cool show. Oh, I just watched it last yeah, it's night. Yeah, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. So do you know there's a series That's now? one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Do, do you know about yeah, the series? Yeah, I heard that there's a series. I haven't seen it. I, so yeah, I do, do know about the series. I just I, I, I thought you were talking about the movie. I know about the series, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, so there's two that have aired so far. It's on Showtime right now. So I watched the first one last night, and I didn't really know what it was about because I didn't know the movie, but it, I really liked it. And it's the, the guy's got a like I don't know like an eight year old daughter who's a vampire and he's got to run around and get blood for her to feed her and the he the the first episode he kills a guy to take his blood to feed his daughter and as the daughter's drinking and goes to sleep what do you think they start playing as it, the the scene ends I, mean, I don't know if you know this but sweet child of mine. I think I do remember the the request for that, and I approved it. We all approved it, but I remember approving it on my behalf because I I like the movie so much. So yeah, yeah, but I forgot all about it actually at this point. So that's cool. I have to check it out, but you, but it's good, yeah. Yeah, well, I've only watched one, and they've yeah, aired two so saw. far, but it's good. I really enjoyed it. I mean, so far, I'm going to watch the second one tonight, but it's real good. All right, great, great, great. I'm, I'm glad you told me that because I did forget all about it, and I have to check it out. The movie, when the series is done, watch the series, and then when that's all over, go and watch the original movie. I think the original movie is uh, Scandinavian. I can't remember. I think it's Swedish. Um, there was an American version of that movie that came out some years later. It's not very good, um, but the original version is, is awesome, and so you should definitely see that if you're watching the series.
Yeah, well, I'll definitely go back to that. I know how I got po- off the subject this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but I mean, it's all connected because it's, it's all in this stuff. Like that song, Capital One commercial, that TV show. I mean, it's it's everywhere, that song. And speaking of guitars and tying in with the book and guitars, I mean, needless to say, the open of that song and the guitar lick is one of the most iconic things. And you had said, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but you had said that that was originally a warm-up exercise, right? No, that was, somebody else said that. Um, And then it just became one of those things that, uh, a quote that came along. No, it wasn't a warm-up exercise. It was just something that I was, you know, like I was sitting around the house uh, where Guns used to live at one point in 86, I guess it was. And uh, and I just came up with this riff. I mean, so it was just me messing around. So, you know, but putting notes together, like any riff you do, you find two notes, you go, oh, this is cool. And then you put the third note and find a melody and like that. So I mean, it, was a, it was a real riff. It wasn't a warm-up exercise. I think it was Tracy Guns that said it was a war- I said it was a warm-up exercise who wasn't there at the time. So, anyway, but that's where that's how it started. And then Izzy started playing the chords behind it, and and then Axel heard it, and it started from there. So yeah. it's you know I mean it, at the time it was just a song. It it wasn't supposed to you know I mean nobody had any. Um, designs for it to be a big hit or anything like that it was just a song that we put together that was cool before we actually made the appetite for destruction record and uh so we put it on the record and and like that and then next thing you know at some point after the album had been released for a while that song all of a sudden just took off so we're you know we're sort of blessed in in the sense that you have something that's become as memorable as that you can't you can't um, you know, you can't really mock that. You have to appreciate that you have something like that in your career where you can have a song that really is that effective, <laughs> you know? So it's, you know, it's cool. Is the guitar that you actually played that on, on Appetite for Destruction, is is that guitar pictured in the book? That's Yeah, that was the guitar I was talking about a couple minutes ago that I said that was the, the, the replica that was built. Um, you know that's my main guitar and that's in the book it's it's uh it's it's i think it's labeled under the afd and says it was handmade by chris derrick um, oh okay yeah i do see that section okay that's big, the guitar yeah it's got a big full page of it yeah gibson.com well, slash, did slash take book. That with me down to the commercial <laughs> oh so you're actually playing the guitar you recorded it on in the capital one commercial yeah, I just oh, took wow. it down there with me because because we were that we we did the commercial roughly around the same time that we were doing the the book. Wow, that is so cool. Um, quick things, then I'll let you go. You know, I had Miles on with me on the show on Monday. I know he's getting ready to go into full Alter Bridge mode. Him and Mark were on to promote the new record. Uh, So I know that they've got Alter Bridge stuff lined up the end of this year and most of next year. But, you know, I mentioned this to you before. I loved the last Conspirators record. I loved four. And I know it kind of got shortchanged a little bit in how much you were able to tour that record with that band. What, what What are the plans for you going forward as far as the Conspirators are concerned, whether it be new music or trying to pick up playing some shows again? Is there a gap around guns that you're going to be able to do it? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the, what happened was that we, we uh, between Guns N' Roses, Conspirators, and uh, Alterbridge, we had sort of woven this kind of schedule where we sort of all worked around each other, and it worked. But the pandemic just fucking took that and, you know, sort of tossed it up in the air and it fell where it may. So now we're sort of, I mean, like I said, this the Guns Tour right now is a 2020 makeup tour. Um uh, Alterbridge uh, is just now putting out their record, and I put out the Conspirators record during the pandemic, knowing that it was going to be hard to get a consistent sort of full tour done on the release, right? But I did it anyway. So we did a U.S. tour, and then uh, beginning January of 2024, we're going to do an international tour, which is going to cover South America and uh Asia and Australia and uh, Europe, right? And so somewhere in there, I'm going to start working on the next Conspirators record. So, yeah, it's all it's all sort of happening. We're just having to find our lanes. Did you, looking back on the way you did the four record with Dave Cobb and doing it totally live, I know you had told me when we did that special, and for people that didn't see the special, it's on the SiriusXM app now, Slash and the band played live. We had a great time in L.A. that day. But but you had never made a record like that where you basically cut it live. Do, do you envision doing that again? Or looking back on it, would you prefer, you think, to go back to the traditional way of recording? Well, I mean, that is the traditional way of recording. It's <laughs> really well, when it comes true. down to it. Is, now you're right, the way yeah. that we do it is this sort of very safe, doctored, predictable um, unrock and roll way of doing it. Um, so that, yeah, no, it, it, I, I mean, I've always recorded live. I always, we always record everything as live as possible, but I could never, um, I could never be in the same room as my amplifier. That was the issue. So I've always had to use headphones and that's, that's like something that I just don't feel like I play my best with headphones because it's a very controlled environment. So I've always done it live with the headphones, then gone back and retracted my guitars. But in this case of like four, um, we were all in the same room and it was really like a recorded rehearsal. And that was just really refreshing to do it that way and to know that you can actually do it that way because every producer in the world will tell you you can't. Um, anyway, so on the next record, what I want to do is do it that way and then actually overdub, overdub some parts on it, you know, have some harmonies and this and that. We didn't touch any of that shit on, on the four record, but on the next one, having done that, I want to do it all live in the room again with Dave Cobb and then, um, go and be able to do some harmonies, some guitar layering and stuff like that, you know? So we still have the live essence of, you know, and then be able to, to add to it. I mean, poor Miles. I mean, he, he sang that whole record basically in one take as a rehearsal and then caught COVID and we had to keep all the tracks. So he sang great and I love the spontaneity of it, but he never got a chance to go back and tweak anything or really, you know what I mean? It was just like we were rehearsing the song and doing, uh, you know, we were trying, we were getting the basic track at the time and he was singing along with it. And that was what ended up on the record. Yeah. I mean, I, on the it, next it's one, still... I want to give him the opportunity to be able to really explore what he wants to do vocally. Yeah. But that being said, I mean, his vocals crazy great on the record and the songs are crazy great. And I love the live energy oh, and feel to it. it. It's awesome. It's cool. It's, 
it's magic in a bottle. He 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 probably would say, "Oh, I would have loved to have gone back and fixed this, that, and the other," and I appreciate that. But the magic of the spontaneity of it gives that record a certain character that it wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, no, I agree totally. And finally, in closing, um, what can you tell Guns N' Roses fans about the future of GNR? Live shows, I know the Use Your Illusion box set is coming. That thing looks massive. Have you guys been in a room and written songs for anything new down the road? What can you tell Guns N' Roses fans going forward? Well, I mean, I want to go in and cut a whole brand new record at some point, probably sooner than later. Um, but other than that, we have stuff that we're still got to come out. So that's going to be coming out piecemeal over the next, uh, I don't know, over the next few months or something like that. So that's basically it. We have one more tour left to do uh, next summer, and then that'll free us up to be able to go on and work on a new record. So, you know, I'll keep you posted. When you say when you say you have stuff coming out, you talking about the illusion set or maybe going back and putting out like you no, did absurd no. and stuff like that, more of that sort yeah, of stuff. There's a there's a handful of those songs that we actually fixed up and did when we were in uh lockdown. So those haven't yet have yet to be released. So those are gonna come out. They're really good too, so I'm excited for those. And we're just going to put out like one or two songs and another one or two songs. And I think that's going to be pretty much all of them. I'm not sure exactly how many we did in total. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Cause I loved hard school. I thought hard school was a great track and I know there was a lot of history with that, but that was a really great song. Yeah. Yeah. These other ones are, they don't have the same kind of amount of history. Cause I know hard school seriously has goes way back, but there's a couple of epic ones coming out. So I'm excited about that. Cool. Well, listen, man, I appreciate the time. It's always good to catch up with you. Say hi to everybody. And again, uh, check out the book. It's uh, You can order it now, gibson.com slash slash book. And you can get all the information there on the book. You can see some images from it and the different versions and different packages. You can't get this thing in the stores. You can't go to the bookstores. It's a special thing. It's very limited. So it's. It, I was saying earlier, if you're a guitar fan or a fan of Slash, and they're kind of one and the same. You you can't not want to get this book. Gibson.com slash slash book. All the best, man. Safe travels out there. Good talking to you. Yeah, good talking to you, you too, Eddie. It's fucking awesome to hear your voice. And uh, I'll, I'll probably see you at some point in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, for sure, man. When you guys are off the road and you get a break in L.A. and I'm out there, we should get together, get a coffee, and shoot the shit or something. That's always fun. All right. Next year, top of next year. That sounds I'll be home good, recording, man. So I'll be around. All right. All right. Cool. Listen, man, uh, travel safe. I'll talk to you soon. Right, Thanks. Man. Cheers. All right. Talk to you. Bye bye. Always great to visit with Slash. If you're looking for a bunch more in terms of interviews, full radio shows, audio, video, more, just go to the SiriusXM app. If you are a SiriusXM subscriber, put Trunk Nation in the search. Everything will come up. And be sure to join me for live radio shows. Everything you hear on the podcast originated on the radio show. You can listen live daily, 3 to 5 Eastern. You can hear Trunk Nation on Faction Talk Channel 103 or anytime on the SiriusXM app. So be sure to join me for the daily radio show here on the podcast. You're only getting a tiny sample of what I do on a, on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, on the radio. 
Don't forget, there's also a sixth Sirius XM show, 5 to 8 Eastern, on Channel 39, Hair Nation, Terrestrial Radio Show, lots to check out. Follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, for info and updates, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook page. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Hope to catch you on the radio, and if not, back here for another all-new podcast next Thursday.